Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. All right, I'm going to say it. Startups suck at choosing recruiting partners. Now, there's no magic button to push to have candidates pop out for your roles. But before you hire, put the same thought and care into your recruiting strategy as you would into every other aspect of your business, i.e. your product development, your finances, everything else that's going to ensure the success of your company. Just having a strategy will dramatically increase your chances of landing great talent as opposed to hiring those who are just okay. So today we're going to talk about how to pick a recruiter and what to look for in the process. Today's quote is rare to find a business partner who is selfless. If you are lucky, it happens once in a lifetime. And that was from our friend, Michael Eisner. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to help entrepreneurs and hiring managers avoid costly hiring mistakes by identifying a specific problem and providing proven tactical solutions to help your company win the right hire. We share insights from top-performing rebel entrepreneurs, disruptors, and industry experts like our guest today, Ms. Amy Arenz. She's the founder and CEO of Concero Search Partners. Amy's been in the search business for the past 25 years, and due to her demand for services, Amy founded Concero in 2010 to increase resources and improve capacity to better accommodate her many clients. So Concero specializes in recruiting sales, technical, and go-to-market talent for high-growth, private, and publicly listed technology companies, which makes uh, Amy a perfect guest for today's topic. Amy, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Thanks, Rick. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm happy to have you. So we're actually somewhat competitors, right? Uh See, look, at we play well with other competitors. Exactly. Right? I always look at it like, hey, there's so much business out there, it doesn't really matter. I like competitors anyway because they help me up my game. Yes, exactly. So we're going to cover a few things today. We're going to talk about why picking the right partner is so crucial to your business success. We're going to talk about the different types of recruiting options and what to look for in a particular situation, and then how to uncover the right recruiting partner for you. So we're going to try and tackle a whole bunch in this little 25-minute segment. So let's get started, Amy. So why is this important? Yeah, well, you know, when getting a company off the ground, founders have so much to manage, so many multiple projects, including hiring, and hiring so crucial to the company's success. So in order to get it right, working with a strategic partner is key. And ultimately, it saves the founders time. So a strategic partner will help with many things beyond just that resume generation. So Realistic profiling, job descriptions, interview process, making sure there's a consistent message to prospective candidates. And this is especially important for startups who don't have an established brand. That is so true. And there's so much, like you mentioned, so much on their plate. They don't have the time. And reaching out and finding the right recruiting partner should save your time because that's the most valuable commodity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they have so many things as far as the company's vision and direction. And then hiring, which seems to be one of many, but is so important for that future. I think it's the most important thing. Yes, I agree. Because the the quality of the people that you bring on board is really going to determine the altitude of your company. Yeah. And then I think something that you do, Rick, too, is that first key hire at the management level. And that sort of sets the tone for the rest of the hiring for the organization. And 
I think that's an area where we partner more than compete. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That brings up an interesting point because a lot of times what ends up happening is the companies will say, well, look, at we, we need to find somebody who can come in and just do the work and then we'll hire above them. Is that the best strategy to go? Yeah, I mean... I'm going off track here. I, yeah, I, I, yes, you are, but that's okay. I don't think so. I, I think allowing that key management player to pick their team is also empowering and it's crucial for their success for their team and their organization within the company. I agree. Because I've seen too many times where you know somebody has to come in at a leadership role and then has to get rid of people. And that's not right. fun. Let's talk about the different options that are available. Now, if I'm a startup and I am driving a new company, I just got funding. This is kind of the premise behind how this whole show started. What are the different options? And let's talk about what might be the, the best options for a startup. Yeah, I think in startup scenario, it's really the options are to find a contingent firm, a retained firm, and either way, it should be a strategic partner. So as we talked about just a little bit earlier, the that first key hire and some of those VP level and above probably lie better with a retained firm. And then when it comes to building out the team, that's where a firm like Cancero would come in, where we can come in and partner with that new key hire and help them build their team. So that's an option. Really, at the beginning, there probably isn't an option to hire an FTE because of budgeting and need. Uh, a full-time so, recruiter, you're saying? Yes, yeah. sir, yes, full-time recruiter. I yeah. mean, unless you got a bunch of money, you're absolutely right. The other th option a lot of companies do is they do it themselves. So they'll hop on the job boards and they'll go that whole route and try to pick off the people that are on the job boards. Yeah. So you have three options. Yeah, that's true. I think the problem with the job board, and especially in a competitive market and tech that we're talking about, is the people that are on the job boards or that you're going to be able to get passive are going to be people that are probably not high, highly desirable in a startup environment. It's a small percentage of the people you can get at the right time off the job board but for the most part, especially in a low employment market like we're in, which is what, three, we're here in Orange County, we're at like sub 3%. So right. you're not going to find great people on the job boards. It may not fit the position that you're looking for at that given time. And yeah. the culture. And, you know, let's face it, a lot of people that are on job boards are just looking for a J-O-B as opposed to like whether or not it's going to fit their career. Right. And, and by the way, I'm not knocking it. I found great people have job boards in the past, but I find the best people are working. Yeah. So. And I think it kind of depends on, you know, how big the company is or, or what type of position you're looking for. You know, if it's at that C-level or VP level or even, you know, key level, they're probably not on the job board or maybe the timing isn't right that they're going to be on it when you need them to be on it. <laughs> I mean, most people right now need to be reached out to and touched. I mean, job dissatisfaction is at an all-time high as well. So good candidates are getting emailed and phone called every day, all day long. You just got to really be able to touch those people at the right time, as you mentioned. What about the concept of hiring a bunch of contingent firms? And contingency, by the way, is a model that's super popular. Most firms operate that way, where essentially what it means is I don't pay you anything unless you place somebody at my company. So it's a lot of free work that's done until there's a higher. Yeah. And I think a couple of things. So you had mentioned the low unemployment rate. So if you think about the amount of demand that these contingent firms have and their focus in a contingent firm, I get the motivation is you get paid when you place a candidate. Yep. So they're motivated by that. So once it gets challenging, 
they're probably on to the next job order that they have because it's a little bit easier and that's how they make money. So the problem in that is it's less strategic. So, it's, it's definitely a lot less strategic. I mean, yeah. let's let's just call it, it's transactional. The first 10 to 15 years of my career, I was completely 100% contingent and my mm-hmm. firm was run that way. The, the way the model works is that you essentially have to have a whole bunch of jobs that you can market one candidate to. And if you want to make money as a contingent firm, you, you need to have, like if I'm placing Java developers, I need to have 15 to 20 Java jobs that when I get somebody, I can market that candidate to 15 other companies. Yeah. Then cross my fingers and hope that person gets an offer somewhere. Yeah, that's true. And then I think back to your question on the multiple contingent firms or, or really even multiple firms for that matter. It's challenging not only for the firm, but for the organization because it dilutes the message and the company's branding to the market on who they are and what the position is because you have three or four or five different voices telling that. So then you have that piece of it. And then you also have the amount of work it creates for the founder or the hiring manager internally who then is managing three or four more vendors and all the resumes that are coming in. So that almost becomes a reactive recruiting model. It's 100% reactive. And here's the thing. It doesn't save yourself time if you're a hiring manager. As a matter of fact, I think it adds to your workload with each recruiting partner you bring on board. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, and maybe this is my, maybe I'm a born again retained search person. I don't know. But I feel like it's my job to protect the hiring manager's time. It's my job to make sure that when I'm presenting candidates, they're vetted and that candidate's ready to go. And if we get to an offer stage, they'll probably accept the offer. Yeah. Because I want to keep my hiring managers doing the things that are important, which is whatever their job is, not interviewing candidates. Yeah, I 100% agree. And that's how you add your value. And that's how you make sure that they're focused on what they need to focus on and you focus on the recruiting piece. That is so true. Any other options here that we're not touching upon? I think in the beginning, there's always the friends and family or referrals. And that's definitely an option. And I think it takes you so far. And then after that, you need to select one of these other options. Well, also employee referrals. I don't think companies do a good enough job in the employee referrals. But if you do get employee referrals, make sure that you you vet them properly throughout the whole process as well. Bet them like you would anybody else. Yeah, I totally agree. Having that one process for all candidates. All right, you're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm Rick Gerard, and for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Find out how healing a person's pain points attracts amazing people to your company. Sign up for our free passive talent webinar at stridesearch.com. Our guest today is Amy Arends. She's the founder and CEO of Concero Search Partners. And we're talking about how to pick a search partner and what your different options are. So let's talk about how we do it. Let's give our entrepreneurs and business leaders out there some sort of tools they can use to vet us. What do they need to ask in order for them to determine what the right fit is? I mean, first off, they need to understand who they are, right? Yes. And I think then finding out exactly what you're getting from your recruiting partner, what type of reporting and data do they have? Um, How often do you hear from them? So you know on a a weekly, monthly basis what effort's been put into your search. So that 100% transparency is definitely key. Figuring out what's important to you as a company, you, you really have to understand your bar for talent or what you need, right? Because if you just need butts in a seat, it's much easier and you probably don't need 
a recruiter as much as I need quality butts in a seat. Right. Once they've established that, what are the important things that they really need to understand? So let's break it down by, so you said reporting and data. Let's talk a little bit about that. Why and where is that important? Yeah, and I, th- I like that you took it back, Rick, because it is important that the job description is defined, the profiles defined, the process is defined, and, and all of that. Um, so let's say we already did that. Yeah, before and, you reach, reach out to anybody, that's like, spend the time to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So make sure you have your house in order when you bring on a recruiting partner. If you don't, then partner with them to help you do that piece of it. Yeah. And by the way, I, I don't know if you've ever had this experience. I've had it about a million times, but you know, we're just looking for a really good Java person. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody has any idea what that means. Someone who fits our culture. What? What is your culture? Exactly. Talk about that. Yeah. So let's talk about the data and reporting piece. Yeah, I think why that's important Mm -hmm. is because recruiting in the past has sometimes been referred to a a black hole. So you give your requirements to a recruiter. They're in the beginning sending you resumes and you're getting a lot of traction and then all of a sudden you don't hear from them. So are they working on your job? Are you thinking they're working on your job? No, they're not. You're prioritized for about the first seven days. And if they're not getting traction on you interviewing their people, now you're getting the leftovers. That's true. And I think that accountability piece of knowing that you're talking to each other once a week goes for both sides. So then you know your recruiter is reporting to you on what they're doing and then they're holding you accountable for driving the process, which ultimately ends in a hire sooner. What question would I, as a business leader, ask a firm to get an idea of how they report and how they do data? And Yeah, you could ask how will we know how much effort's been put into the search or do we have a weekly touch point or what type of reporting do you do? Something that holds them accountable for that piece of it. But other contingency searches don't really do reporting, right? Or do they? No, not that I know. Okay, so like that's under a retained model. I do it. I'm sure you would do it as well. I mean, because my clients want to know that's important. Right. So then you can explain why. Exactly. So what has happened? What type of feedback are you getting? If you're interviewing a recruiting firm, ask what problems do they best solve? Business problems are always attached to recruiting problems. So if they can help you with some of those as well, then great. You've got some added value there. Yeah, I think that's great. Yep. Or what other, what problems have they run into in the past? And so you at least know that as you're heading into the search. Yeah. And really... You need to understand what's in it for you. If I'm going to hire you or give you a search assignment, what are you going to do for me? There's got to be something else brought to the table. Along those lines, also the experience that they have in your space and what types of tools do they use? So we we talked about job boards earlier and is it beyond that? You know, what else are they using to find that passive talent? I think there's a good test question for finding passive talent because I would ask a recruiting firm, what's your definition of passive talent? Because a lot of us claim that we find passive talent, but what does that mean exactly? Clearly, the passive talent is somebody who's not on a job board, not looking, but you somehow got a message to them, whether it's through LinkedIn or an email or a phone call, got them interested. So they weren't out there, you know, they could be currently happy and and that's usually the type of person that most companies want. We're asking the question of what experience do you have in the space and what experience do you have with companies like ours? How would you treat the search? And then you had mentioned what recruiting tools do you use? Is this really important to entrepreneurs or a founder? I think so. I think they want to know, do you have a network? That's a tool that you use. So do you have a network? Do you have a database? Are you deep in this space? So I think from that perspective, definitely. And then 
what do you have beyond what we have? So if they're using a job board, if they're using LinkedIn, uh, what else are you going to do? What are you going to provide for us in this search? By the way, if their main tools they fall back on are job boards, you can do that yourself, and that's probably a better option for you. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can hire yeah. an admin, pay them really well, and have them go through job boards and filter people for you. So you don't okay. need to pay somebody 20 to 25%. I know I'm going to get hate mail for saying this, <laughs> to, to source people off job boards. You just don't. But honestly, I have had that exact conversation with prospective clients in the past that maybe we're hiring for BDRs or entry-level salespeople. And my advice is don't hire us because that's something that you could do if you had somebody that posted and worked the job boards and brought in that one-year entry-level talent. And I'll probably get hate mail for that. But it's true. I think that's something that it does take time. So I get it. If you don't have the internal resource, then it does make sense to outsource it. But if you do, try that first. There's a lot of low-hanging fruit out there that you don't need to pay a big fee for. You just don't. Right. And then um, what would be the third point you think that uh, entrepreneurs should screen for? Well, I think especially in that startup community is find out what experience the company has in helping you set up your recruitment process. So we talked about it a little bit earlier, but the interview process, the candidate experience, even the job description, and then also the messaging. So has a company done that before? Do they have experience with that? Or is their experience mainly in just generating resumes? Because that's going to be a key piece to your success is somebody who's helping guide you through that process. Totally. And you know what? 100% you should go after somebody who writes different messaging or does something different than what everybody else is doing. I, you know, I'll take it a step further. I would ask, how, how do you typically pitch a company? What's your method for pitching a company? And if the method is, hey, look at, I just call and I pitch your job. And um, if they're interested, great. If not, that's fine too. Then I, you know, then I ask them for referrals. That's what everybody else is doing. So yeah. try to look for something that's a differentiator that is going to uniquely position your company. I love that. I mean, I know we asked the hiring managers. So why did you choose XYZ company? And and so you can get that from a personal perspective and then relay it to the market. So it's important to have that company story. Something above and beyond just the normal, hey, I found your resume on LinkedIn and you look like a right. perfect fit for my job. Would you be interested in talking? That's not a creative message, by the way. And I saw that on, I saw that somewhere. Somebody advertised it. And the response from the candidate was, oh, I love your creative message. Yes, let's talk. And I'm going, <laughs> that's common. Everybody says that. Very basic. Yeah. And, and if you want to get tuned out, that's the best way to do it. I love what you're giving here. Thank you so much for sharing that. So what would be three key takeaways that you would want to give the audience so that they can kind of plug that into their business and put themselves in a position where they're attracting the right hiring partner? Yeah, I think equally important, but find a recruiting partner that provides transparency and gains your trust. Don't fall into the trap of more recruiters, the better. Please don't. You're just adding to your workload. <laughs> and then dig into a recruiting partner's expertise. So in the non-hiring support roles, so the process, the design, the post-offer onboarding. So how can they help you beyond just that resume generation piece? And if you want to reach out to people who do it really well, you can reach out to you or me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Shiv, we're just about out of time for today's show. I want to thank you for your time investment today and, and welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what's the best way in which members of the audience or entrepreneurs who are listening can reach out and find you. Yeah, visit our website at www.conserosearch.com. Can you spell Concero? 
I can. It's C-O-N-C-E-R-O-S-E-A-R-C-H.com. And uh, my email is just amy at com. So reach out to her if you have, what type of roles do you specialize in? The sales go-to-market roles in the technology space, and especially if you are growing a team and you have multiple positions and you're looking for somebody to fill that gap. Boom. There we go. All right. I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in to this week's episode of Higher Power. Thanks to our engineer, Paul Roberts, our producers, Andrea Ballin, Shanti Ryle, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. We're listening and we welcome your feedback. After all, this show is for you, Mr. Entrepreneur and Mrs. Entrepreneur. Um, you can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, that's H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com. You can drop me an email at rickatstridesearch.com. Tune in next week. Our guest is going to be Aaron Cooley. Aaron Cooley is a lead consultant for security and mobility for a firm called Kanai. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard on OC Talk Radio.